What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday, November 11th, and you have found the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am your host, Matt Swatsky, a.k.a. Father Zoe, and with me, as always, Mr. Aldo Soto. Guys, I'm all the way in. I'm ready to get my heart broken mm-hmm. because my hopes are all the way up that the Cubs are actually going to do something, even though they're probably not. Come on. <laughs> and the good Reverend K. Fitz. Ah, yes, yes, yes. It's that time of year when Scott Boris starts comparing players to Sean Connery (laughs) in his insane uh, analogies. So it's about that time for the Scott Boris speech, which we're almost there. I'm looking forward to the Scott Boris, the state of the Boris, uh, really, because he might actually compare uh, Nick Cassianos to Zorro. And, uh, you know, he's already compared JB to Sean Connery. So I guess we'll just continue on with this amazing content that he provides yeah i mean we're november 11th and we're already got a lot of uh a lot of boris facetime a lot of boris interviews already a lot of good stuff going on so um it is the off season it is we are woo, we are in it now so uh we're gonna talk about qualifying offers we're gonna talk about possible what free agents are possibly gonna demand uh cubs actually got an actual player <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about CBAs. I believe, I believe. We're going to talk about reporters being mouthpieces already. And yeah, a bunch of fun stuff. So uh, sit back, relax, and let's tap this guy. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the Uh, as always, the show is brought to you by Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. Make sure you're going to sportsmockery.com to find the latest in all of Chicago sports news. Uh, there is a little tab at the top for podcasts. You can always watch, go back and see older shows if you miss us. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff there. Turn on the push notifications on the app and get the latest and greatest in all things Chicago sports. Uh, sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. And it's also brought to you by us. Make sure you're going and buying that Pinwheels and Ivy's merch. And you can always support the page with the pin tweet at the top of at Pinwheels Ivy Pod. So let's start with an actual human being. Um, the Cubs got a real player. <laughs> we'll start with something that's actually happened. Nothing theoretical. Instead of <laughs> – Miles and miles of, oh, this might, or he might be, or he tied his shoe with his left hand. And you know who would be a great fit? Oh, somebody at Starbucks yesterday, and mm-hmm. they got a latte with no foam, which means Boston. So our friends in Cincinnati seem to already be showing their hand a little bit. Uh, looks like they're doing a nice big old salary dump. Um, and it started with Wade Miley. So although what happened there? I mean, like we, like you said, the Reds are 
basically their like two year plan of going for it uh, resulted in nothing for them. I think they made it to the playoffs in the shortened 2020 year. They did. I don't think they scored a run or they scored like a total run, whatever it was. And then they fell flat in 2021. And now they're like, shit, we have all this money and we're not that good. Let's just get rid of as much money as we can this off season. It started with their trade of their one of their catchers, Tucker Barnhart, to the Tigers. That saved them, like, I forget how many million, like maybe five to seven million, I think. Mm-hmm. And then next up was obviously the Castellanos one. They, they obviously, he opted out of his final two years. They extended the qualifying offer. He already declined it. So, you know, they're going to get, they're at least going to get something for Castellanos. Mm-hmm. And then the other surprise that we saw from a couple teams last year was Wade Miley had a $10 million team option for 2022. The Reds GM, after the move was made by the Cubs, he was like, yeah, you know, we were trying to trade him before we had to make the decision on the option. But, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of trade interest in him. So they just put him on waivers and the Cubs snapped him up, like mm-hmm. immediately got him, obviously like- immediately picked up that $10 million option. And they didn't have to give anything up for him. They got a very solid pitcher, you know, a guy who has a very, very, like, uh, a high ceiling. Obviously, I don't think he's going to – he was, like, amazing last year for the Reds Uh in 2021. I'm not expecting that kind of repeat performance. But this is a guy who can fill in and, like, you know, be a solid guy, like, 30 times, uh, you know, next year. Before you guys get too into it, if I remember correctly, he threw a no-no last year, right? He did. He was one of the guys yeah. who threw a no-hitter. No, he, I mean, he was solid all year. And he owned the Cubs. He owned the Cubs. Oh. He's, I mean, he's been selling for a couple years now. He's a guy who, you know, throughout his career, is kind of middling or, you know, going from t- team to team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as some pitchers, as they get older, they pick up on new things, whatever it is. They learn how to pitch, whatever. They learn new I haven't dug into like the numbers. I don't know if it was just like maybe a couple of new pitches, maybe cutting the fastball, sinking it. I don't know what he was doing differently, but he's been a lot better, you know, as he's gotten, uh, you know, past his thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, a solid first move. The Cubs need as much pitching help uh, as like any other team you can think of right now. This is a pretty damn good start. You know, he actually, I mean, if you look at what he has too, again, this is the best left hander the Cubs have had since John Lester was actually good. Um, this is a, I think this is an upgrade over what the Jose Quintana thing was. I think he's, I think he'll be a better, I think he'll be better with the Cubs than Jose Quintana was. And I think that it's nice for the Cubs to have a lefty that can actually get out. It's not like a, a, you know, I mean, Lester was great. You know, it's nice, nice throwing a lefty out there, but at the end there, he, you know, he couldn't break a window pane with a fastball and, um, Quintana, obviously the, the, the issues that he had, uh, whether it's, you know, just struggling on the bump or, you know, cutting his hand, what he's doing the dishes, whatever. You know, Miley's going to finally give the Cubs rotation an actual left-hander that gets out. So he had a six war last year. I mean, he was 10 and seven. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that he's fixed over the last couple of years, I mean, he walked 93 when he was with Baltimore in 2017. He walked 50 last year um, in the shortened season. And uh, I don't know what, I mean, he didn't throw that many. He didn't actually throw that much in 2020. He only threw 14 innings. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's from that 93, he's dropped it to 27, to 61, to 50. So he's, show, he's starting, to, I, think, I think he's just learning how to pitch. Um, I mean, his, you could look at his numbers too, as far as pitching to contact, pitching away from contact. He's, you know, he's going to strike out 140 guys a year, maybe, which is not a, you know, I mean, he's, he's not a power guy. He's just going to go in there and get outs. And I, I like it. I like him as a three. I think that's, I, I, if you're, if you're relying on him as a number two, you're kind of goosed, but a three or less, 
fantastic. That's a great spot in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's it's pretty cut and dry. You guys are both good with it. Finished last year with a 3.37 ERA. I mean, a one three two five whip. It's just, like you said, it, I mean, you didn't go out and get Jacob to ground, but you got yourself a solid middle-of-the-rotation starter. Uh, you always need that good lefty down there, too. So I think it, I was actually pretty surprised to see that it was the Cubs making this move this early. No, I, and honestly, that's the biggest takeaway for like as as much as like you know we hear that you know hopefully that Wade Mellon is still good in twenty twenty two. Well, yeah, that's the big thing. But this is a team since you know we talked about the last time we were on like how we how down we've been because the Cubs have shown us that they haven't spent in the offseason. Like forget about just on free agents, just on like on anyone, like on any on any moves that you can like. Oh, a team drops this guy. Hey, like they're basically giving you a gift you don't have to trade anyone just pick up the money and you can get a solid player Dude, the, the cubs were doing this a couple years ago the cubs were like we're just putting guys on waivers or releasing them because they were owing them like three million dollars they're like fuck we can't mm-hmm. afford that this is a, so for the first time since 2018 or like 27 2018 the cubs are the ones being uh you know the aggressive ones the one oh. they aren't the ones being like fuck all right well get this guys on waivers well, uh, well, well, let's, let, let's, let's not, let's not, let's not like, you know, go out and start popping the champagne yet. You know, the Cubs are also notorious for making moves that are great for optics, AKA Jake Arrieta after losing all, you know, you that, that make things look better for the fan base and going and getting aggressive and, and really, I mean, a no brainer grabbing him off waivers and it's a $10 million option. It's not like he's getting paid 20 million. You know, he's a, it's a $10 million option for a three, four, five guy. That's a good move, but like, I just I'm I'm so timid in ever going. Oh yes, they're going to make some moves because I'm I, I have no faith in them doing things other than what the optics are like. Because of course, that's all we've, they've seemed to care about since since the, the fire sale. Whether it's you know get going on you know six a.m. in the morning to the first radio show he could possibly get on, the, you know the, the Monday after the trades. You know they're always you know alert about optics and what things look like, and it's a nice move. But at the same time, I don't trust this group any further than I can throw them and. Obviously, we shouldn't be throwing anybody with our bad knees. So, I, you know, I, I we'll see we'll see how this goes. But if this is the trend, that's great. But you know what I've noticed is the move has increased the Cubs' chatter. Like, oh, maybe we're in on Seager, and maybe we're in on Castellanos. And maybe, all of a sudden, it makes at least it makes for you know a fun, exciting offseason before they realize that they're not going to pay anybody that has a qualifying offer. But you know, it does get people thinking, oh, maybe the Cubs are into it, which is great optics for the Cubs. But I'll believe it when I see it at this point. That's a good, it's a good move. But to me, it doesn't signal a damn thing when it comes to this. Well, this. The Cubs have a lot of, a lot of work to do to build back oh. those optics. So <laughs> you got a $40 million payroll and you added 10 more I mean, million. I mean, I but, think- but, but like, that's the thing. Like, obviously, yeah. Like the optics are like cool. Like right now, but like, again, the optics aren't going to matter if this was their big move when yep. the spring training comes around. So mm-hmm. yeah, like obviously it's a wait and see. Mm-hmm. But like, It is a good kickoff though. It's a great kickoff. Totally. Yeah, it's nice, especially as you know the CBA lingers its ugly head over everybody, like the dark cloud and Charlie Brown. You know, it's nice to have that one move under your belt. Um, the other big topic of conversation around the league or around Chicago sports right now are is qualifying offers. Mm-hmm. So, um, a little bit of surprise. The deadline was Sunday, and you know it was pretty much standard who you thought was going to get the, the QO from their teams, got the QOs from their team. And then the white Sox list came out and there was a 
big name missing from that list. Uh, and that would be Carlos Rodon. And there was a lot of sticker shock from a lot of fans because, you know, Carlos had a great year for the White Sox. It didn't end how he wanted it to end. That's for goddamn sure. But Carlos Rodon was a very good pitcher for the White Sox this season. And to see his name on the list of, you know, not getting the qualifying offer, his name being left off the list with the White Sox tweeted out, it it caught some people by surprise. A lot of people thought that it was a given that it was going to happen, you know. And for those of you that don't know, that are listening or watching, the qualifying offer basically guarantees the player one year $18 million. That's the easiest way to put it. Mm-hmm. So keeping that in mind, I think it was a great move for both sides. I think both sides win by the White Sox not offering it to Carlos Rodon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some more information as the days went by since Sunday. Um, Chatty Scott. <laughs> on some of the reasons why. Well, yeah, if you believe a word Scott Boris has, <laughs> you're a fucking moron. But I meant to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that sounded like to me. I meant to do that. From the, like, from the White Sox side of things, you know, we saw Carlos didn't – he – he crawled across the finish line this year. You know what I mean? Like he gave you everything that he had. And when he got into the playoff game, <laughs> I'll never forget when he threw that one fastball that hit like 98 or like 97 or 98, he even looked like, Oh shit. Like I still got that. Like, fuck. All right. Um, but up until then, like the last month, month and a half of the season, it was like, is this dude's arm going to fall off again? Like his, his velo was down like 92, 93. You know, he was still battling. And, God, you can never call Carlos Rodon, you know, soft or whatever. But he went out there and he gave you every fucking morsel of what he can do every night with working with what he got. But it just wasn't there. In my opinion, it just wasn't. I wouldn't be comfortable with the White Sox dropping $18 million. It's not That's not like that much money in baseball finances. But it's still a good chunk of change. And for a guy that you don't know that can go a whole season. So I think that's what made sense from the White Sox. And then that being said, because you're talking about 18 million, again, Miley, $10 million. Mm -hmm. And he also threw a no hitter last year. Robbie Ray made up eight and a half million last year. Yeah. So like that, the, the, the idea of the risk versus reward thing. Don't get and me there's wrong. a little bit of gamesmanship and class in there too. I think maybe yeah. perhaps they saw the writing on the wall and maybe they knew that he wasn't going to pick up. He wasn't going to accept that qualifying offer. Maybe that was true. I don't know, but you know, maybe there was just a you know who knows. They've been so good with him and just being patient with them coming back. Maybe the communication line was always open, which is a really good sign for the, how the front office operates with its players. And they had a running dialogue the whole time. So when this came, it was like, I think I think we're okay with this, and I think that fans might not be privy to some of the conversations, right? I totally agree right. with that. Get lost in that shuffle. I think that they, I, th- I feel like they've had such an open relationship with this mm-hmm. that, that this just felt like the right move for everybody. And to, to let, you know, thank you for, you know, maybe you'll come back, but maybe not, but thank you for your time and good luck to you, buddy. Like it, it's fine. You know, you know the socks, sure. the do. well, if you know me and if you've watched the show and if you ever like have beers with me, or ever, I'm a big, my whole stance on everything is, you know, there's usually two sides to everything. You know what I mean? And it, it's and the truth. And yeah, then exactly. And somewhere in the middle is the truth. And it's crucial to really 
take a step back from most situations in life and try to figure out both where everything's coming from. And from Carlo's point of view, I don't even know if he would take the qualifying offer if the White Sox gave it to him, which Scott Boris now says he wouldn't, but that's hindsight and also <laughs> bullshit. But if I'm Carlos Rodon, I had a, a very much above average year. You know what I mean? From what people expect. Keep in mind, he was let go, and then the White Sox brought him back. Like, he wasn't a hot commodity going into this season. He earned this publicity. He earned us spending this much time on it right now. You know, and again, he whimpered to the finish line. And if I'm Carlos Rodon, in the back of my head, I'm going, I don't know how much longer my arm's going to stay attached to my body. I got to go try to get a three-year deal. Mm -hmm. I got to go try to put ink to paper for a multi-year contract. And Scott Boris, notorious MLB agent, you know, he's not a dummy. He didn't get to where he is by being a dummy. And he's probably thinking the same thing. Like we got to go and find a multi-year deal for this guy. Now he could very easily get a three-year deal from a team where it works out to be $18 million a year. Like, you know, but it, the big part there is he's getting that three-year commitment. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of news that came out was um, that Scott, that this was done as like a favor to Scott Boris. Like this was Rick and Jerry's way of getting into good graces with Scott you know, doing a buddy a favor <laughs> because the the main free agents that are out there that have been linked as White Sox pieces of interest are both, in fact, Boris clients. So some people are looking at as like, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine type deal. We're talking about Marcus Simeon and Nick Cassianos. I think that's uh, just wishful thinking. I think it's huge <laughs> wishful thinking, but... I mean, it's being said on national radio shows. The, like, the, the scratching part is uh, give me the most money out of any other team. <laughs> That's the scratching my back part. That, right. That corresponds. <laughs> and then you'll scratch my balls. Like that. <laughs> yeah. And if you remember, it was probably just like three, four years ago where the narrative was that Boris hated Jerry Reinsdorf and no I mean, Boris it, client would ever come to the White Sox. But the, I mean, the last the last thing I remember about a big Scott Boris, the last two times I remember about a big Scott Boris client was Nick Castellanos two years ago. The White mm -hmm. Sox never made a run for him. And then before that was Bryce Harper. Sox never yep. made an offer. So, And and the, it was Boris too. And it, of course, we've talked about the boogeyman complex that, that – that the owners have pushed on the fans with, with Boris too. But I will say this, you know, he, you don't piss him off. <laughs> Scott, he's a powerful cross, man, dude. You cross a, a Scott man. Boris client. You, you do something that is considered to be a slight on one. It's a slight on all. And it means it's also a slight on Scott Boris. And, you know, this is the one thing that, the, you know, you know, Reinsdorf might've been on his shit house. He might've been in his, on his shit list and it might've affected this white Sox ability to get anybody under that Boris umbrella. I think that the Cubs are now a little bit in that doghouse because of what they did and the bullshit they pulled with, especially with, you know, you know, the, the, the stuff that they did in that press conference after they traded KB and basically we're going to look at the Cubs. The Cubs are going to pay a, I think there's going to be a Boris rate for the Cubs. You know, when Cub fans that have been like begging for Castellanos, 
you're forgetting that he's a Boris guy. You know, I, it's so weird that we're like, no, we can't sign KB because he's a Boris guy. He'll be asking for too much. But, oh, Castellanos won't somehow, even though he's just a Boris guy too. And so Boris is going to make somebody pay. And if you've pissed off Boris, and I do think that the Cubs front office has done that, I think that it's going to be harder for the Cubs to land a Boris guy, which is good for the White Sox because <laughs> they've got the other team in the city that can benefit from Scott Boris going, oh, hey, Cubs, look what I'm doing. I'm going to sign with these guys instead. And so you have that that gamesmanship. And he'll be over it a year or two, I'm sure, because he, people move on. But it, I think he does do that. I think that Boris 100% holds his grudge. And I think that he's going to make you pay for it if you've pissed him off. And I think the right. Cubs are in that. And I think that I'm not sure if there's any other organization in sports that or in, in Major League Baseball this year that that did anything to hurt a Boris client more than what the Cubs did. And I, I'm trying to go through my mind and rack my mind. There wasn't a burn bridge the way the Cubs did it on that last on that Monday, the way they did it with 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 you know that guy. So, so the bottom line is though, the man has arguably the best stable of Major League Baseball players under his umbrella. You know what I mean? Like he's not a guy that you want to be on his bad side. I mean, at the end of the day, money's going to talk. Like if some team offers his client an insane contract, even if he, the GM banged his wife in front of him, he's still going to be like, all right, <laughs> let's make this happen. You know what I mean? But like, I'm glad to see, you know, things floating around that Boris and Reinsdorf and Han and all them are all buds now or whatever. And if this, if not giving Rodon the qualifying offer gets the White Sox, a Cassianos or a Simeon, okay. Yep. I make that I make that trade off ten out of ten times right now. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of this stuff is bullshit. A lot of this stuff is just using Twitter to negotiate and other shit. So I don't know. That's my thoughts on the Rodon situation. You guys got anything that I missed or Although frozen, an awesome position, by the way. <laughs> Screen. Oh, damn it. I was going oh. back too slow. No, the, the only you're you're stuck in Undertaker mode. Yeah. No, that was straight vinegar strokes. Damn it. Yeah. No, the only thing I was going to say about Rodan, so he, you know, made his first year is 2015. Uh, he made 23 starts. Can you guess the most innings pitched he's done in a year? Without looking, I'm not looking both Without hands. Looking, the most or like, yeah, the high, career high innings pitched in a season. 82. I say, I say 120. Uh, I mean, it's not that low, guys. Come okay. On. He, he so, was healthy uh, before. So it's above 120? He's he pit, His career high is Final 100. And, oh, okay. So it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely above 120. 142 final answer. All right, Kevin. No whammies, no whammies. Well, I'm going to uh, – what, what did you say, Zoe? 142. So I'll take 143. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. I knew you were going to do it too. Because the answer – so the answer is 165 innings pitched, career high. That was in – but that was all the way back in 2016. Right. I knew that was many times too. Because the reason why I went in the 40s, though, because I was talking about Michael Kopech being brought into the White Sox rotation, which Han alluded to in his – Mm-hmm. Uh, super late postseason press conference. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was. And, <laughs> you know, the first thing I said was, I think Kopik's ready. And we talked about it on the show. I think, you know, if you give him an off season of preparing to be a starter for the White Sox, so he's going, you know, he's right now he's mentally working out and preparing to be a starter for the White Sox. But then Beefloaf asked me straight up, you know, 
do you think he can give the White Sox 170 innings? And I don't think he can. I, I don't, I don't know. He's young and he's healthy, you know, hopefully. And this whole, we're going to stretch him out narrative was dangled in front of our faces for fucking three never months happened. towards the end of the season. It just <laughs> never happened. It was insanely frustrating. There were so many situations at the end of the season when you're like, this would be a perfect time to give Kopik four innings. Yeah, he sure did, Bill. Uh, so, so you brought up Kopik, and that and that, and that actually brings me to another point that also ties back with Rodon. So the two things that I didn't, I didn't uh, like understand about like the you know like whatever backlash there was like with with White Sox fans, uh, with the White Sox not uh, doing the qualifying offer for Rodon was everyone's like, how can you do this? Like, you're all, how are you going to replace like a five WAR pitcher, right? And like obviously we just went through you know he hasn't like pitched a full year since 2016. It's not like a guy you can rely on. You can't be like, yeah, next year we're going to have Carlos Rodon repeat his 2021 year. There is no way that you can like just guarantee that to your, to La Russa, you know, to your fan base. I do not believe whoever signs them, they're they're going to be just praying that like, please give me like in the 20s starts, Carlos, whoever signs them. And the other thing was on the flip side was fans being like, yeah, but they're going to have Kopech in the rotation. They're going to be fine. I, I think that's way off too, because again, it's a guy who hasn't been a starting pitcher for three years, and yeah, he, he's going to have a full off season where you know he's going to get back into his normal routine. It's not like a guy; it's not like he's not used to starting. Obviously, he's been starting ever since you know he was in high school. Right. But there is a thing where you know he hasn't pitched that the, like the innings amount, and that just that stress on the arm is different. The wear and tear. The wear and tear. He hasn't done. He hasn't beaten his body up this way in a bit. And we saw just like with the shutdown and then the shortened season and how, how it affected a lot of pitchers in the game this way. It's going to affect him the same way, just not not the same cause, but the same kind of scenario, which is extending out is not as easy as just going, I'm going to, oh, I'm a starter now. You have to learn, you have to retrain your whole body to be extend out. You've got to be able to save your legs and you've got to be able to keep, you know, I mean, again, we always talk, I don't know if you guys, you know, we've talked about it on here before, but like when he, the the concept of he's sitting at, 92 when people say he's sitting at 92 in the first inning and they're next to you do me a favor slap them incorrect sitting at 92 means it's the fourth fifth or sixth inning you're late in the game and your velocity is still consistently hitting 92 that's the sitting you don't sit anywhere in the first inning you're standing but you're standing boy that's where you're going so yeah we saw that a lot with Rodon, dude you've got to be able to sit there in the fifth and so you've got to be at 70 pitches and still be able to dot and still be able to throw with good velocity and sometimes it takes six six to eight months. I mean, he's going to probably have an early offseason this year to start working on extending. He's going to have to start beating his body up probably way sooner than he normally would in a regular, you know, prepare you know season to prepare for. So I'm curious to see how they do that. Oh, shit. Although fucking Yumper already memed your shit. He caught you on your frozen screen. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Mother of God. Mother of God. God bless no. you, Yumper. God bless you, sir. At least he was nice about it. I would have. Yeah, he insulted me with it. I would have went with the different. With your bad picture. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I feel pretty good about Copic coming in as a starter, just because he. I'm. I'm. He's such a beast, like as like a physical specimen that I feel like I know it's a different getting your legs ready for six, seven innings of work versus going out there and pitching one or two innings and all that. But he has an entire off season, a real full off season 
to prepare. And I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's time. Like they didn't trade Chris Sale for him to be a reliever. I feel oh, no. like, I mean, no, yeah. he's, he's going to be a, he's got, obviously he's going to be in the rotation, but I just or, don't. Like I mean, I'm good with him starting. I'm good with him starting the year as a fifth starter. No, but like, the thing is, like, like he's going to be on an innings limit. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, probably. No, he is. He, yeah, he, he hasn't pitched a full yeah. year since 2018. Right. I, you could probably assume he's going to probably sit at about 70, 75, maybe five innings of work, probably for the first third minimum, maybe even half of the season. And then you'll start getting those extension outs to six, seven, eight. But really, you're going to have to see how the body responds. You won't know until you know. That's the weirdest and most gambling risky thing is you don't know the answer to this until it actually unveils itself down the line because you won't know until you've pushed it to the limit. You don't know what the edge is until you're actually over the edge. So mm-hmm. this is, this should be, a, it'll be interesting to watch how the White Sox do it because now this is Cats. This is Cats being paid to do what he does, which is develop guys and get guys back to where they're supposed to be. And hopefully he does it correctly. And if he doesn't, you know, you'll know what kind of a pitching coach he is. But I, I actually have a lot of faith in Cats. So I think that this will, I think it's going to work out well. I think when they start going with crochet as well, I think it's going to pay off. And I, I mean, think, it, uh, it's, I think crochet I is going to be the starter. I think they're supposed to. I have a really, you don't have to. I think crochet peaks is like a long reliever. Like I don't, or a spot starter. I don't know. The white Sox rotation is very intriguing to me going into next year. If Dallas Keuchel is in your rotation to open the season, we got some problems. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. If gold glove winning pitcher, Dallas Keuchel, (laughs) God damn it. Elite defender. This is like what? I don't even, I watched every inning of every Sox game this season. (laughs) And I'm like, when he saw when they when they announced that, I was like, "How? What? Did did no one else feel the no, ground?" No, I, I do remember. Like even when he was getting fucking rocked, you know, the, he would still get some of the line drive. Well, yeah, obviously, you're good. You got a better shot of winning a gold glove as a pitcher when you got bullets coming back at you. <laughs> he had a lot of chances. Yeah, yeah. A lot of chances. Yeah, the percentage is going to go up because you're like, hey, I got 1,400 chances, and most you know, when he when he wasn't blaming every other infielder and outfielder, you know, he was making some plays too. Oh, right. Maybe that's why he blames everybody. Maybe that's why yeah, he's so, yeah. so good defensively. He's like, fuck he's like, I have to do this myself. <laughs> yeah, I'll do this myself. Well, <laughs> Joe Boo, I do it myself. <laughs> but, uh, why is he Dallas out in left center? Yeah, shout out Dallas Keiko. Also, some other award winners. We got uh, Liam Hendricks won AL Reliever of the Year for the second year in a row. That was a pretty decent free agent pickup last year. Uh, I mean, if you look at the important stats for relievers liam was top dog in all of them for the al i mean well, how do you feel about uh, him possibly losing his job next year to who to craig kimbrell no he won't be that's on the white what, sox that's what rick you're, said? you're talking crazy talk now nope that's what rick on said i know rick <laughs> he also said that he's going to be trading kimbrell and uh, another player and some cash for basketball. and then all of a sudden yeah and i mean fids what you brought up a couple weeks ago uh, Philly's ah. GM straight up came up and was just like, "Yo, we need bullpen bad. Like, I'm going to improve our bullpen this off season." Wouldn't that be weird if that's happened? That would be an no. absolute perfect move for that second base spot. A dude that can hit it from the left side. Well, no, that's not going to happen. You know why? Like, so what, what are your expectations for a Craig Kimbrel trade? They're very low now. I they started high. They're very high, <laughs> very very high. And he has now one year left. Very, very. I wouldn't say very, very low. I'm like more in the middle. I still think you can get Cody Ballinger for him. 
I think he's more valuable to a National League team. I think we saw that he doesn't like that stretched out, widened out lineup. And when he has, I think he's just, he, he's better in the National League. He was better in the National League, you know, as a Cub. And I think that when he got to that lineup where they're all of a sudden you don't have that pitcher spot either. Or he you was don't really have good with the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, but not recently. And not, he was really good at the Red Sox as a closer. No, but he's saying in the last couple of years. The last, you know, since, yeah. since, since, you know, the Biden administration, I guess we'll go. No, um, but no. he, uh, it's, it's the big part of, what he does, but I think that a National League team might be easier to bite on. I think that there's still at least you can leave that question mark saying, was it the AL move? Did he did maybe struggle with that extra that extra batting slot? I mean, you know? Again, I don't think it was the AL NL difference because as Rick Hahn said it himself, and as you know, we, and again, like it's not like we we talked about it and we didn't necessarily agree with it, but it kind of came to be true. Greg Kimbrough probably wasn't that good with the White Sox because he's not in his usual closers role. Right, and he's not. I still, I still don't buy that, though. He's not, but he's not. How do you dethrone a, the back-to-back closer of the year? Can't. Rick Hahn said it. Unless he like, unless he's a guy Unless he's a mental midget, which is a red flag for a trade. You cannot, if you can't make the eighth inning a ninth inning, then you have you're not tough mentally. Sorry. So that might be something else that's a problem. That might be the question mark. Is he tough I mean, enough? I am not going to call one of the best closers of all time mental midget. You can go ahead. But, uh, I mean, that's just we, – closers are weird. Yeah. No. They, they are. The closers <laughs> yeah. are weird. It's the same situation no matter what. I, that doesn't mean anything to me. So, uh, so I, get Jason the... on the phone right now. Ask him if a closer feels the same getting the last three outs We're have in a two-run so... game. Right you can ask him when he's soon, but I'll tell you right now. Ask him. I bet you his response is, it doesn't make a fucking difference. Because he's a we'll mentally see. tough guy. Mark that video, Waldo. We'll bring yep, that I back. Mean, but- and if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I, I, I would totally be wrong. I just don't feel like chasing someone that – Chasing likes closing. Chasing likes – Chasing likes to get outs. He likes smoke rings. He's addicted do- to donuts. That's I, what I think if you, think if you but, pull – If you pull, like, you know – all mm-hmm. Every single closer in Major League Base when I ask him, do you feel the same – uh, closing a game in a one-run game in the ninth inning or coming into the eighth, I think they'll all tell you, or most the mass, vast majority will tell you it is different. I mean, but well, – So, hold on, hold on, hold on. But hold it doesn't on. mean that – but then the tough I, one – Again, I'm not saying that that excuse – Craig Kimber should still be out, going out there. Guys, and, like, we're doing that thing where we just say the same thing over and over didn't again. He, didn't he throw the eighth for the Cubs for a while before he got his job back? Not really. And he was fine in the eighth? So yeah. – he has done it before. It's. I just don't think it's an excuse. I just think that I think that he lost his his edge when he went over there. He just didn't have it, and it and it compounded. There's more expectation, maybe. I don't know, but right. I don't think that it's the eighth inning thing. I don't buy the eighth inning thing at all. I think that's a weak dick excuse to me. If Han wants to make it, that's fine. He's probably defending his player, but I don't even. I'm not even sure Kimbrel would like him making that because it makes him look soft. It makes him look soft, and I, as a dude like Kimbrel doesn't like to be called soft. So I, I I don't think that's the case. I just think that he just it didn't click. And it's a short – you don't have much time to get their ship right in the middle of a pennant race, and it just didn't happen. And, you know, he was so good for the Cubs. He was so good. And I think in a weird way, a weird way I, think, I think the Cubs in that White Sox series are the ones that fucked him up. Because <laughs> they're the ones By that – By the way, though, I 100% agree with you. I don't think Craig Krimble is going to be on the White Sox. No, I don't think he's going to be on the White Sox. And, again, I'm not going to sit here and say that they can go out and get – uh, like Gavin Lux for him or something like that. Like the Dodgers aren't going to give like a future franchise player potentially, you know, they're not going to give a young guy, but a guy like Cody Bellinger who is on the last year of a deal 
who had a very down season last year. Yes, he had a couple clutch hits in the playoffs, but look at his numbers from last year's season. Is not good. Just he's it'd be buying low on him. I think Craig Kimbrell can get you a Cody Bellinger. Hmm. How much is Cody? Dodgers, were, the Dodgers were in. The Dodgers were in on Kimbrell mm-hmm. before they got Scherzer and uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, you got to imagine, dude. Trey the Dod- the Dodgers front office. They stack names on names on names onto that they team. They don't care. They're if it's twenty million, they'll take twenty. They're the one team. See, that's that's what I'm saying they don't give a shit because they no. Need, but see, that's the thing. That's one win. of the reasons why I think I, I do think that they could be a definitely a trade partner for Krimbrel. But the other thing is, like, I think I can just see them going out there. It's like, all right, we need a closer. Russell Iglesias. Here's three years, forty five million dollars. That's true too. That's <laughs> like very, I can just see the Dodgers. Very like, true hey, too. you you like Anaheim? How about LA? Yeah. <laughs> And by the way, I'm just pushing this because I would be the first person in line at the White Sox store if Cody Bellinger signed with the White Sox. I, that would be the first Sox jersey with another man's name on the back that I bought in a long time. I love Cody Bellinger. I I think Cody Bellinger is a beast. I love his swing. I love his like whole like I'm just stoned attitude. and don't give a fuck most of the time <laughs> attitude. I think Chicago would fucking embrace the shit out of him. The 108 guys would love him out there in right oh, field. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome. But because he hits tanks too. Could you imagine him playing in that field for a majority of his games? Oh, it's dude. absolutely fucking nukes in that stadium. But so hey guys, I hate to do this. Gotta dip out. Gotta head down to the Thomas and Mack Center now. Um yep. cool. so Great. gonna go Fuck the wolf pack. No, no that's Rebels, baby. Rebels. Ronnie Rubs, baby. No, I'll stab you for that. No, but but yeah. So again, guys, sorry. Bet against UNLV. I, I actually bet in UNLV tonight. It's Gardner Webb. I think that they actually Kevin Kruger is my man. So, oh, so it's not like the football team. Oh, absolutely not. No, they're actually they're on the actual right side of this right now. They're actually made the right hire for a head coach. Kevin Kruger, Long Kruger's been basically his secretary, I guess we'll call it that. So this team is going to be pretty good. So if you got a UNLV bet, if they're like minus six, minus seven, I haven't looked at the line. I'll look at it on the way, but mm-hmm. pretty sure if it's never, it's six or seven, I would take them because it's going to be a weird, it's the first game back at Thomas and Mac since like March of 2020. So this should be interesting. For sure. But, All right, man. Uh, Have a good time. We'll see you guys later. later. So, um, so sticking with, uh, and to Yumper's, wait, to Yumper's right, point. Yes. Cody Bellinger can now officially re- replace Jock Peterson. Apparently, I have so a thing for Dodgers right fielders. Is that your right official fielders. stance? Yes, I have. I have a thing for Dodger yeah. right fielders. So. I mean, but again, wouldn't it be cool if Jack Peterson becomes like that unique story of guy who wins a World Series three years in a row with three different teams? <laughs> that Consider would be. it so. But also, <laughs> um, did you notice Jack in the World Series? I know, because no one else did. He had like point zero six two in the World Series. <laughs> But that's it. He's a good charm, though. Just, just, I just have Cody Bellinger. He's your power left-handed bat. He's got an absolute hose out there in right field. He's a good defensive right fielder. I don't know. I just think I think it could work. I think it could work. Um. So I think we I talked think about it happen. a little with uh, Jordan when he when we were on uh, when he he when we had him on mm-hmm. uh, like a month ago talking about Kimbrel. So like, let's just say the season starts and. For whatever reason, Craig Kimbrell is still with the Sox. Like, is wouldn't you be kind of disappointed? Yep. Because it would be like shit. We, we're spending sixteen million dollars on our eighth inning guy. Right. I I would be. I'd be very surprised. And then I'd be asking, you know, 
why didn't this happen? Like, what was, what were some of the returns offered to you? And, and, you know, I, you get, and I think in turn, the scarier part would be like, oh, we were all kind of expecting that 16 million to go away to get another good player. Did we not get another good player? <laughs> right. So, and I think, I guess we can switch over now to like some of the free agent talk. And again, I think, you know, when we hear Jed Hoyer talk, when we hear Rick Hahn talk, right now it's just it's all like i'm not gonna say it's bs like obviously they're not straight up lying to reporters faces but like a lot of this is you know quote unquote lawyer talk they're they're giving non-answers or maybe they're bits and pieces where like the one one thing i did find a little interesting like when han had the uh like the end of the season presser for the white Sox, like when they asked him about right field like when he immediately brought up, it's like, oh, but like we believe in Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. Ugh. I, I did. I know at this point, you know, he's maybe he's just pumping up his guys. And yes. I know, and, and I mean, Andrew Vaughn was like a high draft pick, so like I, there's no reason that they shouldn't be high on him. Right. But again, if you if you have the opportunity to you know pursue a Castellanos or you know something like that, you should and. I do that little piece of like, oh no, immediately jumping on like, no, we have Vaughn, we have we have Sheets, you know, we believe in them. That kind of screams to me. It's like, oh, maybe they're not gonna go for a right fielder or an outfielder. I can totally understand why you would look at it that way. The way I looked at it is that's just Rick trying to like play shit close to his vest. Whose daughter was sick? Kimbrel? I think that's what we're talking about. Kimbrel. I didn't know that. That sucks. Hopefully, you know, she gets better. That's terrible. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, But I just think that was, I mean, I'd feel better than Rick coming out and being like, yeah, we're going balls to the wall for Nick Cassianos. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm just trying to remember if at all, like in, like when they, he took the safe route, he gave the safe answer. Like I'm trying to think of like 2018 when they're going after Machado, like I, I'm trying to remember if he was also like as coy or if he was like, yeah, no, like we're players for them. I can't remember, but no, but no, I, you're probably right. Like, I mean, these guys, they're all, cause again, the right field market outfield market isn't that deep. It's like Comforto, Castellanos, you know, Marte is a little older. Chris Bryant. You can consider Chris that. Bryant. Marte. Oh, I want to ask Kevin, I guess. Chris Taylor, Chris Kyle Taylor. Schwarber, Conforto. Conforto is a popular name in White Sox Twitter. It's because it, it's a guy who's had a down season, so he might get overlooked, but he's been very, very good. Uh, Mark, I wouldn't mind him. Canha. 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 Yep. Not a big fan of that pickup. But... That seems like a Cubs signing. Yeah. <laughs> like that's because obviously, again, as much as I like the way my movie and Kevin was right, you know, it's still a little. It's fair to be timid and not trust that, that the front office is going to go out. Like, I can, Cubs are going to, they have to sign fucking players because they have a lot of holes to uh, fill. But, like, that, like, those mid tier guys is like the moves I see the Cubs making. So the question being proposed by a very good friend of the show, uh, Lil Yumper, he says, okay, so if you had to choose one big market signing, would you choose a right fielder or a starting pitcher? I would choose a right fielder. Oh, man. I think for you guys, I'd pick a starting pitcher. You could never have enough pitching. I under, I agree, but I'm also looking at which starting pitchers are free agents, and I'd rather have a right fielder out of that group. What happened? I thought I thought White Sox fans loved uh, uh loved Marcus Stroman. Nothing, no love. You guys don't want. I him? I'm a big fan. It's just he's repeatedly said 
fuck Tony Larusa. I'm not playing for him. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, that's right. I mean, uh, yeah. Honestly, I did forget about. Yeah, that. I mean that's. Oh. So that's just uh But what about the? I'm looking the at veterans? the starting pitchers. You have Scherzer? Max Scherzer, Robbie Ray, Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman, Eduardo Rodriguez, Carlos Rodon, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander. Like, there's a lot of old in here. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm good on all that. I think I, if I was going to put a bet on it right now, I don't think Robbie Ray comes close to the season he had. I think it was a lightning in a bottle type situation. And I'd be cautious to offer him the money he's looking for as a free agent. Play for right field. Like it's it just, it's Castellanos or bus, right? Like, would you want Mar- Marte? He, I didn't realize Marte was thir- is thirty two already. I would, I would take Marte. I would. Marte kind of scares me on a like a four or five year. Cassiano scares me on the same deal too, because the White He's Sox have White Sox don't have a great history of getting guys in their prime. They like to get guys on that back nine. I mean, how old is Cassiano? Like twenty nine? Uh, Cassiano's is thirty. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, he can hit though, dude. He can hit. Yeah, Marte though. Marte's more of a more well-rounded player. I feel like no, he definitely he, is. He definitely is. He'd feel he both guys I think would fit in well in the clubhouse right away. But if they lose out at Cassianos and end up with Marte, I won't be mad. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's another question I'm going to ask. So I think the White Sox payroll right now with picking up Kimbrel's option, I think it's at one hundred sixty-eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it's gone up just with like the with the projected arbitrations and like their now that you guys have you know Robert Eloy Mankata on their deals mm-hmm. that's all kicked in now so I think your payroll like automatically shoots up twenty percent from last off season is what right. I saw so like realistic how much do you think the Sox are going to spend this off season it used to be the number was always one hundred eighty you know what I mean like when you did your off season plans. Shout out right. Sox Machine. It was always like, be realistic, keep it at 180. That numbers has to go up. For them to be competitive, for them to field the team that they want to field right now, they need to spend a little money. But wasn't last year their like all time high salary? Yeah, because of the so it was like Hendrix 145. And, yeah. I think they gotta I'm if they want to compete. And they obviously do because this, again, the fucking proverbial window that keeps being brought up is it's open now. Like it's time to go. It's it's this is not the time to be cheap. Just a warning for Slack fans: you have no idea how close that time can just go end away. for you. Just, so yeah, so you are complete, yep. and that's why that's why I said it back, you know, twenty eighteen. Yep. Did it matter that the Cubs had a big payroll? You can go for it. <laughs> it's uh, it's time to spend. And but okay, but do you realistically think again, Jerry Grindsdorf team? And I know they have spent. It's not they haven't spent. They have spent. They Yasmani Grandel. That was a big signing. Dallas mm-hmm. Keuchel. You know they gave a guy fifty-five million dollars. They've made big sign. Liam Hendricks, fifty-four million. So I'm not saying they haven't spent. Right. But like some of the like, I think I think Cassianos is realistic because I think he's not going to get as paid as much as some people think. Like, I don't think he's going to get, like, the $125 million. Right now, his average projection. Like, 85 maybe? Is, and this is a, a well-put-together spreadsheet 
that has all the different estimates. His median estimate is four years, $76 million. Yeah. So that's very doable. Very doable. I mean, I mean, just two years ago, he signed four for 64 million. Right. That, um, that's very, very doable. For like, I think he'll get a little higher than that, but I don't think he's going to like, I don't, I don't think he's going to sign for 100 million. Right. And, and that's what I've seen a couple this, of John, John the same has it. chart has Starling Marte getting four years, 69 million and Chris Taylor, four years, 66 million. So out of those three, who would you pick or how would you rank them in your like preference? Just how I just said it. Just like, okay. Cassiano's Marte Taylor. I'd be good with any one of those three. I'd be all right with any one of them. Cause you still got a hole at second base, man. White Sox currently as they stand right now, don't have a second base. I mean, if you get Chris Taylor, he can fill both by like, you know, you can right. put in Vaughn or angle in right field when he plays second. I do like the idea of the versatility of Chris Taylor because of that situation, having Andrew Vaughn, having Aloy Jimenez on this team, being able to plug and play people at TH and moving them to, you know, different positions you know, that'd be sick. And I mean, the ultimate fuck you move would be if they went and signed Chris Bryant, but. But that, that again, his, uh, I mean, he, he's definitely getting it. Some of those projections were crazy low. He's definitely getting it over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. This projection, he, this average projection has him at six years, 145 million. Yeah. No, he's, I think it was ESPN who had him. Eighteen million. For like I was laughing at that, that ESPN article because Homeboy preferenced it with like, "All right, I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna <laughs> go low," and it's like, "All right, we get it, dude." And then he just like lowballed the shit out of everybody. Low, very low. I think I wrote about Marcus Stroman and some of his projections, and I think that the ESPN one had him like three years, fifty-four million. Ooh. Like what? <laughs> his average three. projection right now is uh, between it's like around four years. At like ninety million, ninety that's, to ninety. That's, you know what? I feel smarter now because that's what I wrote at the end yeah. of my article. I'm like, that, I can see him getting four for ninety. <laughs> that's his. That's his average, and that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah. I guess the other question was okay. So we already talked about right field for the Sox, second base. If you had to choose, and this is your only big move because it's basically take out your whole off-season spending budget. But if you can get Simeon or you get like Castellanos slash Chris Taylor plus, you know, average second baseman, or would you get Marcus Simeon? So wait, run that scenario by me. So you can either choose from Marcus Simeon getting the big, you know, $100 million deal. Mm -hmm. He's your second baseman for the next four or five years. Right. Or you get like Chris Taylor plus like an average second baseman. I feel like I'd take the Marcus Simeon. He's so good. He's been he's so, so good. I think he's a finalist for AL MVP. Again? Yeah. And it's easier for the White Sox to get someone out in right field that's serviceable than it is for them to get a second baseman mm-hmm. at that same level. And adding a Marcus Simeon to this lineup would be fucking filthy. Okay. His average is right now four years at 111 million. So that's 27.75 mm-hmm. million a year. I mean, does it come full circle? Does Marcus <laughs> right. come home? I've already read a couple articles saying, you know, he'd want to go back out West. 
Mm-hmm. That's all right. Um, blah, 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 blah. Money talks. And the good thing for the White Sox, in my opinion, is that they're in a position now where they can just be like, look at this fucking lineup. This is where we slot you in. This is a fucking World Series caliber lineup. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not just with Simeon. That's with a bunch like Anyone, Castellanos, yeah. like all these guys. They can just be like, look at this shit. Look at this photograph. You know what I mean? They can fucking <laughs> but they could they they're in a position now where they can do that. They, this is not this has not been the norm for the White Sox whatsoever to be able to present like that. Like they actually have a recruitment pitch now to free agents. Would I take Schwarber as a consolation prize if I missed out on Marcus End? I would not. I first and foremost, I don't see Kyle Schwarber ever playing for another team besides the Red Sox for the rest of his career. I hate how much he's a good fit there. It just I it, do it's, want him. It fits so perfectly. Like the way that Red Sox fans have like immediately made him a fan favorite and like the uniform just looks right. The field dimensions are right for him to have fucking career numbers because that short porch and right. Like, I don't. He's going to have like 50 that, doubles just because he's going to have like 30 off the green monster. Right. And if I'm Kyle Schwarber, I, I just, I don't leave Boston. Yeah. I, he, I that just seems like such a, I hate how perfect of a fit that just feels. Yes. Because I do want him back. Yeah. Because I do believe like, I, again, the hype train was out of control when you first came up. And like, obviously Cubs fans were including myself had these expectations of like, Oh yeah, no, he's going to be a fucking like three, like a three twenty hitter hit 50 mm-hmm. home runs every year. It didn't come, but like, it sure as hell looked like it's getting close to that now. Yeah. It's just, some teams are just a perfect fit for guys. And yeah. That, oh, the- I was going to say the, with guys like Simeon and like, you know, Baez on the other hand, um, I, that's why I, I, I forgot to ask Kevin because I was like, I wonder how Chris Bryant is positioning himself in free agency. Like, I wonder if like the conversations that he's had with Scott Boris, he's like, hey, obviously he's looking for the right fit because like again, like there's the Met, there's the Mets talk again with Chris Bryant, and like mm-hmm. as we've talked with Kevin in the past, there's like zero percent chance that Chris Bryant goes with the Mets unless they give him like three hundred million dollars, and even then, I think he thinks about it twice. So. I don't think it's going to be all without the money, obviously. I mean, he wants to be in a place where he's comfortable. I don't. But I, but, I, but I wonder, like, where it's like, hey, like, do you think I can, like, get more if I'm like, hey, I'm going to be your third baseman? Or if he's like, hey, I'm an outfielder now. I can play all outfield positions. Like, or does it even matter? It's like, no, we know what you are. You can play everywhere. If, yeah, if I'm Chris, I'm, you guys want an all-star utility guy? Like a guy that <laughs> yeah. can literally play any position that you need? Like a I mean, power, a power hitting Ben Zobrist, yeah. Exactly. I mean, for so as much as we talked about Schwarber fitting in Boston, I feel the opposite about Chris Bryant in San Francisco. And they don't want him back either. It just it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. Like it felt forced. Like it just didn't. I Nothing think, about it, it felt I think right at the beginning it felt right. He said all the right things. You know, he well, likes Chris the, Bryant. He's extremely yeah, no, he's, he's, polished. He's, yep. Yeah. No, yep. No, you're right. You're right. But like, you know, like the Giants immediately were like, they weren't everyone ex- like everyone expected them to be like, oh yeah, they're like, they're probably gonna be the, the or like they're definitely gonna bring back Chris Bryant. And then like after the season ended, 
uh, their GM was like, yeah, like, you know, we'll, we'll look into it. But like, it was just, and like, we now know, like, they're, I, he's, not, I don't think he's going back to the Giants. And have you seen who has popped up like as an early favorite? I don't even know if you consider it an early favorite, but the team with the most buzz for Chris Bryant, <laughs> the Seattle Mariners. Dude, the Mariners are already annoying as fuck. <laughs> They're like the Padres from like two years ago. But the thing is, they got the cash and they got the farm system. They have the, the cash, the farm system. Move. They have the GM who loves to just do stuff. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. And honestly, I think that is a good fit because again, I think KB likes it low key. Mm-hmm. Like, what's better? Like, you're just out in the Northwest. No one's gonna bother you. It's not a. It's not like the fans aren't gonna go crazy. The media isn't a circus. Yeah, no one watches Mariners. No one's gonna. There's yeah. like 27 people that watch Mariners games. They meet at the same bar <laughs> in Seattle every day, and yeah, no one watches Mariners. I. Dude, I have a weird feeling that the Mariners – I think you put it absolutely correctly. The Mariners are going to be the Padres this offseason. Yeah, no, I, think they're gonna, I think they're going to make like two big moves, and we're going to be like, oh, Mariners? Because they yeah. were close last year. I remember. They were yeah. pretty close they have a, making the playoffs. They have some really great young talent on that team that's ready to make that jump into you know the big show. They have an absolutely stacked farm system. They have cap space. And like you said, they have an aggressive GM. It's just, it's perfect storm time. I just saw this name on the Fangraphs top 50 free agent list. And it scares me not only for you as a White Sox fan, Indeed. but also for me as a Cubs fan. Again, I'm not expecting the Cubs to go out there. And, as much as I love like Juan Carlos Correa, I'm not expecting that. I'm not expecting Corey Seager. I'm not even expecting like Trevor Stewart. Uh, I think Marcus Simeon, maybe just because I think he might be a shorter like shorter term deal, like it might be four or five years instead of six, seven, eight, nine, ten mm-hmm. that the other shortstops are going to get. Yeah, Marcus Simeon's 31. Yeah. So I think he's going to be like, four, like five max. He's right. not getting anything any past that. But there is a guy, an outfielder, that I can see <laughs> either team signing and we'd be like, what the fuck? Don't say it. Right fielder, veteran guy. Don't say it. Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, okay. That's not who I thought you were. Oh, who did say, you... But I thought you were going to say Avisal Garcia. Oh, no. Because somebody at, at least at least I was a little younger. Somebody at another White Sox <laughs> website, and I don't want to say his name or the site because I don't want to. I'm not here to like burn anybody. Uh-huh. But he wrote a whole article talking about how it would be such a great idea if the White Sox brought back. And he wasn't being tongue in cheek. He was being dead ass serious. Hey man, Avi's been better. He's improved since, since his socks. Bro, I don't need a 31 year old, 31 year old Avisal Garcia is not the answer to the white socks. All right, pick your poison. 31 Avisal Garcia or, uh, let's see, 35 year old Andrew McCutcheon. I've I've been such a huge McCutch fan his whole career. Like I've, Love Andrew McCutcheon. It would it would set up the socks for all the memes. But would yeah, I was gonna say, would there be a more White Sox move <laughs> than signing Andrew McCutcheon? And I'm already getting some people on Twitter already saying, you know, it's gonna happen. You know, it's gonna happen. You know, it's gonna happen. And I, White Sox fans are completely in the right to say that. You know what I mean? Because we saw Andrew Jones, Ken Griffey Jr. Well, I mean, last year at a meeting. <laughs> If they can't do that again, dude. Whatever happens this offseason, they cannot <laughs> do that again. They cannot sign 
Adam Eaton, an Adam Eaton type and be like, this is our big move and then try to sell it to us. Like it's a, a good move. Like White Sox fans, White Sox Twitter for a majority aren't dumb. And you know what I mean? Like no one was like, there was a small, small, loud group that was like, no, he's going to be a leader in this clubhouse. He's going to do all that. Bro, he didn't even finish the fucking season with the team. <laughs> like he was brutal. He was he was pretty much useless after April. He was brutal. He had like two good series to start the season, and it was just trash after that. He didn't even finished the season on a team. The Angels <laughs> got him. Yeah, the Angels got the oh Angels. God. The fucking he couldn't stay on that goddamn Angels. Oof, I, when you say it out loud, it's brutal. And the fact that they try to like sell it like this was the best option for us. No, it was the cheap option. Oh, yeah. Those. And so they just they can't do that to me again. Not with the team that back to back first round exits, a team that's built to compete, just they just need to be better. They need see the be more better. you say it, the more I can see it. <laughs> I I love Koch. I love Kutch. I could see it be like, hey, Kutch, man. I feel the exact opposite of how I feel about Kutch than I do about Adam Eaton. So would you be all right with it? Not if, as a starter. Okay. You know, if he's like the new uh, – what's his face? The guy who did the super – Goodwin? Big, Brian Goodwin? Goodwin, yeah. If he's like the new Goodwin, cool. <laughs> but you can't – Sign Koch and be like, we got our starting right fielder. No, you don't. So obviously I'm coming from an uh, you know outsider's perspective here, not being a White Sox fan. And again, I mentioned that, yes, they hit that, that. I mean, they've spent more money on the Cubs like in the past mm-hmm. three years. But I don't know why. And I think it's the same thinking that Kevin has towards the Cubs that I do. I just, I don't, I just can't see this offseason ending with the Sox making like that one huge move. I don't know why I like the payroll number. I see, I'm like, it's already at 168. It's the highest it's ever been. There's all this CBA uncertainty. And obviously like the moves that they make, they'll probably make them after a new deal is like reached with like, who knows how long that's going to take. But I don't know why I can't see that one big sign. Like, I guess I, I would still consider Chris Taylor a big signing. So maybe I do. Like, I think that that's the ceiling I see. Well, see, that's what I'm – I think we have to define what a big signing is because out of all the names we've thrown out today, I think Marcus Simeon is a big signing. I I, I, th- I, I think I, there's, like, no shot you guys no, are in the running for him. I don't think Marcus Simeon – I think that's just not going to happen. But I don't think a Castellanos, Marte, or Taylor would be, like, a big signing. Big signings to me are, like – like Bryce 20 Harper, million a Manny year. Machado, Marcus Simeon, like those are big signings to me. Marcus Simeon is a big signing. Marcus Simeon is an MVP finalist. That's a big fucking signing. Well, let's see. What was like, Grandall's deal? 71 for three? I believe so, yeah. So yeah, so he was he's making like 20, almost 24 million. So yeah, like I think I consider like anything 20, 20 and above per year. Per a year. Big signing. So I think so, you yeah, get Cristiano's guess... for 19 a year. I think you get Marte for around 17. I think you can get Chris Taylor for around 16. Like in my so head, I don't know. That's why I don't think those are big signs. I think they're just big because like they're 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 good they're good signing. Yeah, no, you're right. I guess so we're just like a, <laughs> so could you see more of a like a Michael Conforto signing? 
Yeah, like I can see something like that. Yeah, I can definitely. I really, when all is said and done, I think that's who the White Sox are going to end up with. I can opinion. see like a short, like a two, three year deal. I like can see maybe... Conforto. I can even see him almost getting like three years, fifty one million, so seventeen a year. Yeah, I can definitely yeah. see that happening. And you know what? I'd be, I'd feel a lot better than than an Adam Eaton deal. You know, oh, Michael, no, definitely. Michael so, Conforto. Yeah. Michael Conforto. He's hurt, and he has uh, he's had one bad season. Right. Like Michael Conforto. Like, if you guys get Michael Conforto, I'd be like, hey, that was a really, really good move. Yes, I'd be all for it. Um, I you know. I guess you're right. I guess at the end of the day, it's just like playing semantics there with the you know mm-hmm. the ver or the adjectives there. But... but that's what I'm saying. The big offseason signings, free agent wise, for me this year are like Carlos Correa, Corey right. Seager. Uh, well, Freddie Freeman's not leaving Atlanta, but like Chris Bryant, I would consider a big signing. Yeah. Cover story, Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon, you know, those are big signings to me. Everybody else is, I think, fair game for the White Sox. But okay. Okay. I do agree with you. I don't, out of all those names I just listed, I don't think the White Sox get any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, no. All right. No, I was just trying to base off, you know, like what your, what, what you thought a realistic signing would be. And like, no, I, I think I, you know, when you broke it down like that, I do I, I do agree. Like getting a, I guess I don't know, I don't know why. I just don't. It doesn't make any sense. Why didn't the White Sox just get Castellanos two years ago? I don't get why. Why are they gonna wait? Why would they do that two years later when he's two years older? Like I guess that's the, that's the White Sox way, man. <laughs> they love getting dudes right after their prime. And that's the thing. Like all these guys, they're 31, 32, 30. It's not like they're on the other side at 30. Also, but we're not – I'm not trying to get a guy right now for a long haul. I'm that's here true. You're trying to win now. a fucking yep. win now situation. And that's why at the end of the day, whoever you do get, it doesn't even matter because nope. what you're trying to maximize like the very next year, mm-hmm. which is 2022. Because, again, you can have the good position players. You don't know how long the pitching is going to stand up or hold up for exactly so, so you need to just strike as like as soon as you can you, the the white Sox front office has to be 100 percent focused on winning the world series in 2022 yeah they can't be worried about 2025 yeah. 2026 <laughs> they need to focus on winning a world series in 2022 jose Abreu is 172 years old <laughs> you don't have money many more seasons of Jose producing at the high level we're accustomed to. Like, I think the only, the only year they have to worry about, and it's not even getting guys to win like for that year. It's like, Hey, this is kind of our timetable of hopefully we get one by then is whenever Giolito becomes a free agent. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe completely off of it, but he, it doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy who signs the early deal. He said that he's open to the cut. They, so he was at the World Series to watch his homeboy pitch. Yeah, and he got cornered by a couple of reporters, and they were asking him, and he's like, "I'm willing to talk. They just, they know my phone number. They haven't called me yet." And he just said, you know, and then he did the whole, "I want to be a White Sox my whole career," and blah blah blah. blah whatever. So it's 2024 after two, so three more yeah. seasons guaranteed with Gio. Yeah, and I would. I would love to see him get it done this year, but I don't see that. I think they're going to hopefully have a little conversation with them being like, listen, man, we want to get this done with you, but we also, we really got to focus on going out and signing Nick Cassianos. You know what I mean? Like they just, yeah. Um, 
I mean, Lucas had a phenomenal second half of the season. So, I don't know. I just – there's a lot of stuff to be done. The GM meetings, are they going on like right now? Yeah. And then, I mean, all of this is completely moot because we have these – CBA. What was the Heyman tweet? Like, this is the worst it's been in two, two and a half months of hell or something like that. I mean, you guys, I've, I can't, I've said it so many damn times on this show. Just remember when you're reading tweets and getting information where it's coming from, know who's tweeting it, know who's writing it and know their history of who they're doing it for. That's, yeah, <laughs> you know, but like all the talk is right now, there's there's not, not a lot of hope for anything to happen December first, which is the deadline no. to get a new CBA. No, and I still stand strong with my. I don't think. I think opening day is going to happen on opening day. Oh yeah, no, I think I don't think that we're gonna. I don't think it's we're gonna be in danger of you know this is gonna last. I think it's gonna be the usual or not the usual, but like like things as as things is, have stood like the past few years, a lot of the big moves, like many of the moves, haven't happened until like after the year, <laughs> like after the new year. I think we're just gonna be, see the same thing. We're like you know the big free agent side until February, maybe March. We'll see a handful of deals in January. But like, yeah, like, I don't think we're going to be like March 1st. Holy shit. They're not even at spring training yet. I would 100% though love for the White Sox to do what they did with Grandal and just get it done early. Right away. I wonder how much like the whole uncertainty plays into the, some of the guys signing bigger deals. Cause we saw the Dodgers signing the pitcher uh, Haney. Haney? Yeah. For eight and a half million. For eight and a half million. That's pocket change to them. Um, But like, that's, there's been like other min- very minor signings, like one year, one million. But again, there hasn't been anything. No, I don't big, think, and anyone, I don't think there will be anyone that's considered like a top twenty-five free agent this season is signing before that CBA is done. Yeah. So just kind of sit back, everybody, relax, have a little speculation party, start putting out, <laughs> you know, who have you, you think- put? By the way, have you put together your? Your socks off season plan? Dude, I barely have time to do this show right now, <laughs> let alone fucking sit down and type all that shit up between the one year old and actual nine to five job and other shit. Like, get Brody's yeah. thoughts on what Keiko can get in a trade. Yeah, I think Brody <laughs> throws harder than Keiko right now. Um, any chance on Javi going to the Sox? I don't think that's, I, I think, I don't, so. I don't know. Yeah. Because I think he's a – well, that was the thing I was going to bring up with Simeon. It's like like Simeon, he played second place because he just had like the one-year prove-it deal with the Blue Jays because mm-hmm. obviously they have Bo Bichette. But he's been a shortstop his entire career. So like is he going to be like, hey, I'll play second base, but you have to pay me like a shortstop? Or like how, how are those conversations going to go? And I think that's the same thing with Baez. Yeah, I think they made such a big deal of Javi's friendship with Lindor. And now they're finally – in the same spot, the idea of them having a full spring training off season and into a full season together in New York, where for a guy like Javi that loves him some Javi, the 
marketing and branding potential of being in New York is off the charts. You know what I mean? I, I don't see him leaving the Mets. I really I mean, don't. yeah, the only thing that's screwing up the Mets right now, they still don't have a GM. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's kind of a problem. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, no, I don't. Dude, could you imagine if Noah Syndergaard rejects the qualifying offer? And someone scoops him up on a prove it deal, like prove to us your arm won't fall off. And he, he, well, that's fuck. And he turns out say, to be the next Robbie Ray. Well, I was going to say, I would want the Cubs to do it, but I don't think the Cubs are going to want to give up the draft pick. Right. But I would immediately do one year, 23 million. Who the fuck cares? Let's right. go, Noah. Let's see, if you can, let's see if you can do it. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I don't think he I mean, was. As a Sox I fan, I would love that too. I would have been like, let's <laughs> fucking go, dude. That would, no, that would be, you know, for, yeah. That's what so I'm that's saying, the thing dude. with the qual- like, I, it should matter to the Cubs, but like it's gonna end up mattering the fucking qualifying offer. Yep, the qualifying offer. So Yumper brought him up a couple weeks ago, and I have heard the Cubs are apparently interested in him, the Japanese slugger. Yep. See ya, Suzuki. See ya. See, I mean, print the shirts, right? Right. That's <laughs> that's just built in gold. <laughs> And uh, over at Fangraphs, we had the projections that four years, $40 million, We were talking about him a little bit before, and we're like, yeah. you know, so normally the Japanese yeah. guys, it's kind of a lot of miss, a little hit, yeah. but. And outside of Otani, a lot of them come over when they're like 36. Right. Like these guys, they'll come over when they're like past th- their prime, basically. But this guy is only 27. So I'm very interested in the Cubs possibly getting him. Um, again, he's a he's a power hitter. It's not like these guys who come over here and they're like they're just contact guys, and you worry about their game translating to you know MLB pitching. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, again, I I don't expect this guy to come over wherever he plays and hit like forty home runs. But he's shown he has real pop. Like he could probably be a 20, 20 home run hitter in the MLB. So keep keep an eye, keep a, an eye on Sia. Sia? Sia. I'm saying that right. No, Sia. His, he is Sia. <laughs> uh, I hope that's not like. I have said Yeah, disrespectful or anything, <laughs> but it's an awesome nickname. Suzuki. Yeah. No but, worse. yeah, no, I could totally see Sia getting four years, 42 million. Yeah, something like that. And, again, that's – again, this isn't a guy who's like, oh, he's 32. He hasn't – he's past his prime. He's he's still 27. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, the other guy – I mean, the, the name that excites me – because we've seen him like talked about a little. It's Kevin Gossman. He's thirty-one. I don't he's know. He's the guy who's going to get paid, but I don't know why. I I really have a feeling that he's going to go to the Cubs. <sighs> I really do. He he doesn't have the qualifying offer attached to him, so the Cubs don't have to worry about that. He's right. a strikeout pitcher. Gets a lot of swings and misses, which the Cubs desperately need because even with Wade Miley. Wade Miley, like Kevin brought up, he's not a big strikeout guy. He will strike out some guys, but he's not like the he's not the mm-hmm. power arm. Cubs need that power arm in the rotation. And man, that would be that would be good. He's been great. And apparently the Cubs have loved him. They I think do they love said him five years, $110 million. Yes. Oh, him? that I do that right now. Yeah. Five for one ten. Is that the average? Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> Because I've seen, I've seen, I've seen as high as like six for one fifty or something crazy like that. Yeah. Pitcher, you pay for pitching though. Yeah, that's the thing with all. I mean, with free agents in general, yeah. you're going to overpay. And I mean, that's just that's just the business, guys. Yeah, you're going that, to overpay. That is what it is, and I just want to 
say that you've been hearing me mention a lot throughout the course of the show, and I know we're an hour and 20 minutes in, so I probably should do this at the beginning of the show. If you think of it all, though, remind me to do it again at the beginning of next week. Mm-hmm. But I talk, I'm talking a lot about average. There's a Twitter guy. His name's John Becker. You can follow him at John Becker. It's J-O-N-B-E-C-K-E-R underscore. Uh, he put together this Google document. It's just insane. It's like, (laughs) it's perfect for anybody that's into this. Like we are, if you're still watching the show an hour and 20 minutes into it, you're probably one of these people. Um, He works at Fangraphs. Uh, He works at Rotographs. Uh, He's just, he's a stats nerd, stat nerd. Um, He's from Illinois. He's kind of a hometown guy. Good dude. Uh, but this spreadsheet, like it has all these tabs, like with rankings, total spending projections, and he does all these other sites and he puts the average and it's very easy to follow. I mean, homeboy's got like split signings tab. He's got an international signings tab. He has like, dude, he has. He even I, has like the needs, right? The team needs. If yeah, they he has have the a team spot needs. Open. Like he has all this shit, dude. And. I was debating on whether I was going to bring it up, but you got to give this dude props because I'm just, I'm basically copying his homework this whole off season. <laughs> I'm just, he did the work. It's phenomenal. Again, it's at John Becker. J O N is how he spells John. So Becker spelled just how you think, but J O N for John. Um, maybe we should have, I'm, I don't know. I've never heard him talk or like his personality, but it'd be interesting to have him on. Uh, what are we doing in the draft? Holy shit, David. Uh, I don't even know where the White Sox draft this year. It's going to be down there. Oh, NFL. Oh, David. Oh, buddy. Baseball show, bud. Baseball <laughs> show. Baseball show. Bears need and any. Yeah, Bears. Just get well, off. Well, I don't the think line. the Bears have a first rounder, so there's that. There's um. that. And they should just. <laughs> Draft all offensive linemen um, yeah. and DBs. And DBs. Yeah, just do and that. And then more linemen. And then Please. more linemen. And then like a wide receiver. Oh. Yeah, and sprinkle in a safety maybe because Eddie Jackson can't hit. He, he's like scared to tackle all of a sudden. It's weird. Um, and that was talking football. There you go. So, I don't know. All You got anything else for the, tonight? Uh, no, I mean, it's again, just – off season's barely kicked off. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of speculation. We'll probably do a lot of similar shows for the next three months. So, yep. sit back. Yeah, we're going to try to start uh, lining up a little bit of guests here to, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit. But, yeah. Yep. So. Uh, Maybe some players, future players. Yeah. Well, I know Fitz has his his boys ready to go. The so Vegas crew. Yeah. The Vegas crew coming through. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Fids was here earlier. So for Fids, who just posted his pictures, looks like plenty of good seats available if anybody wants to join him at the UNLV basketball game. Uh, that's Aldo Amzo. Uh, you can find us at Pinwheels and I, at Pinwheels Ivy Pod on Twitter. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Smell you later. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. 
It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we here now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Stray rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the board, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the board, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the board, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all change. Every season, nigga, it all change.